You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning. Welcome to the show. It is Monday the 20th of September. In fact, it's still Sunday the 19th where I am because I'm still in Canada, so I'm a bit behind you if you are listening in the UK. And I'm just about to board the plane to head home. So this was really the only time uh, I could bring you the podcast today. So I'm in duty-free at the moment in Toronto Airport. Uh, Happily, it's been a very, very productive weekend for British Raiders. If you were cheering them on, Godolphin, Charlie Appleby, and, and here's the story, Frankie Dettori, you'll have been very well rewarded because they had three chances between them in grade one races. They won all three, winning the Canadian International with Walton Street, and then two two two-year-olds, Wild Beauty and Albar, both booked their ticket, and Appleby confirmed this would be the case to the Breeders' Cup at Del Mar at the beginning of November. Quite simply, for all this was a story about Dottori winning three grade or group ones in Godolphin Blue for the first time since 2012, and that's a big enough story in itself. It's also combined with the success of Yabir at Belmont Park on Saturday night for Jamie Spencer, a tale of, of Charlie Appleby simply bestriding um, global horse racing at present. And that is even before we get to Hurricane Lane and Adair as they head toward the Prix de l'Arc de Triomphe, which is now less than two weeks away. And this is a really crucial point of the season. Don't forget also, we've got Newmarket's Cambridgeshire Festival coming up at the end of this week. Now, a little later in the programme, I will in addition be catching up with Davey Russell, to whom I spoke earlier today before the NBC show here in Toronto. He was coming back from riding another winner in Ireland. That's two from four since his extraordinary return. And at the end of National Racehorse Week, I'm talking to uh, Charlie Fellows, who's the chair of the Newmarket Open Day. He tells me how how that's all gone. But uh, before all this, and before Dottori's other two grade one wins tonight, I caught up with David Yates, newsboy from the Daily Mirror, talked to him a little bit about Charlie Appleby's amazing autumn. And I asked him whether William Buick, who didn't come to America because he was staying at home to fight out the Jockeys' Championship, would end up choosing Derby winner Adair or St. Ledger hero Hurricane Lane as his Arc de Triomphe mount. I think it's extremely difficult for a jockey to, to turn away a Derby winner and a horse who is the shorter of the two, Nick. I think that whenever you and I talk about this quite a lot on the NLD as to when a jockey has a choice, I think that it's very, very hard to reject the the shorter priced horse for another one. In this case, uh, Adair and, and Hurricane Lane. Charlie Appleby said he will confirm plans uh, in midweek. I think probably after after work on Wednesday. Whilst a day I was a 16 to 1 shot, and of course 
Will Buick was on Hurricane Lane at Epsom. The fact that the horse has, has followed up in the King George and has done so in such emphatic style, I think it's going to be extremely difficult. Also, gnawing at the back of his mind might be the fact that some exceptional horses, some truly exceptional horses, I suppose headlined by Nijinsky, what, 50 years ago, have attempted to do the St. Ledger Prix de l'Art de Triomphe double, and every single one of them has come up short. So I think that's the combination of factors that will weigh on Will Buick's mind. And I think it's inevitable that he will come down on the side of Adair. Of course, there was the issue whereby he missed the uh, the pre-Niel. But apart from that, I think he's emerged as the outstanding three-year-old middle distance cult in Britain and Ireland, if we take account of the fact that St Mark's Basilica has won over 10 followings but won't run uh, at Longchamp. I think it's it's inevitable that Will Buick will, will choose Adair. There are high-profile jockeys floating around without an obvious art ride at the moment. We'll come to Frankie Dottori in a moment. Have you got any news from Charlie Appleby as to whether James Doyle will definitely ride the horse that William Buick does not ride? Yes, that, that's a given. I mean, if we... If we fast forward to Wednesday and Charlie Appleby confirms that both horses, all being well, will line up in Europe's middle distance championship on Sunday week, then the horse that Will Buick does not ride will be ridden by James Doyle. So there won't be any any jockeys who are in the background and maybe... Apt to, to to ring Charlie Appleby and say, well, got a got a jockey for Hurricane Lane yet? Well, the answer will be yes, we have, and it's James Doyle. So others need not apply at this stage. Just want to just divert briefly to Buick and eschewing the opportunity for all those American riches, and let's face it, there have been an awful lot of them, to stick around at Newbury and chisel out another another winner on, on Saturday. Uh, it's, it's a statement of intent, isn't it? He's basically chasing down every last winner that he can. Of course, remember that uh, the the jockey's title finishes on October the 16th. We don't go to uh, November Handicap Day. So it's a it's a short space of time now and before the end of uh, the, the jockey's title race. And as you say, yeah, he's decided to stay here. It was a um, after he had that Travel at Great Yarmouth on Thursday. Of course, Asheen Murphy then had three at Newbury on the Friday. So um, he needs every winner that he can get if 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 he's able to if he's going to get his hands on the the jockey's title for the first time. And yeah, I agree with you. I can't put it any better. It was a statement of intent. And looking at what's happened here in Canada and and in New York over the over the weekend. Charlie Appleby's strike rate when he, he sends horses to America, since he, he started training in 2013, it, it's up at 35%, and the majority of those are in grade one races. It's quite extraordinary. And also, uh, if we look at Saturday night, Nick, th- these are horses that are, well, th- they're a fair way down the pecking order, aren't they? Uh, with, with regard to Malton Paddocks, you've got Walton Street, the, the a horse who, of course, ran in in Dubai and then came back, ran at Hopper Garten and was third to Alpinista in the grocer price from uh, Berlin. And, and Yibir, again, a horse that we know well, having he finished third in the the classic trial at Sandown. He was behind uh, Adar and both of them, of course, were behind uh, Alinqua that day. It, 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 although he's 
he, he was successful in the Great Voltager at York last month. And there they are winning the Jockey Club Invitational at Belmont and the Canadian International at Woodbine. So it, I think that what is a, a, a real watermark of, a, of a, an outstanding trainer's season is when they're, they're, winning with, they're winning signature races with those horses that are lower down the pecking order. That's exactly what Charlie Appleby has done in 2021. A couple of things struck me when I interviewed Frankie Dottori after he'd won the Canadian International. Um, first, just how pleased he was to be winning his fourth Canadian International. But second, a reminder to me that he'd ridden over 100 Group or Grade 1 winners in the Godolphin Silks up until 2012 when he and Godolphin parted company. I think that gave him a lot of pleasure getting back in those and riding another winner at the top level. Yes, I think it did. I mean, as you say, that seems like uh, another age, doesn't it? Uh, the split was in... Uh, 2012 and there was a, a a long period after that where Frankie didn't ride in in the Royal Blue but there has been a rapprochement over the last couple of years and that was outstanding I, I, I was surprised Nick just writing that on on Friday afternoon just as a, a, a footnote to a piece in in Saturday's Mirror just it's still some achievement having ridden all your professional life in Britain that you hold the record for the number of victories in Canada's signature flat race and the two two-year-olds that Charlie Appleby and Frankie Dottori teamed up with to win in the Godolphin Blue, Wild Beauty and Albar, both booked their automatic ticket to the Breeders' Cup at Del Mar at the beginning of November, and early indications were that they would both take up those offers. So it was a, a serious bit of opportunism, as well as an absolute ton of prize money. And a couple of other bits of news just to keep you abreast of as regards the Breeders' Cup. First of all, Barbara Banky, well-known owner, breeder and wine grower has been made chair of the Breeders' Cup, the first female to take that position in the Breeders' Cup history. And second, that the Breeders' Cup board uh, are currently considering whether Bob Baffert should be allowed to have any runners at the Breeders' Cup this year. Uh, irrespective of what other racing authorities and jurisdictions do, they do have special powers to prohibit anybody from having runners at their event uh, if they feel that that is going to be prejudicial to the reputation of the sport. So watch this space as regards that particular development. Well, I would not be doing my duty if I did not um, complete the circle and check in with Davy Russell, because he has come back, and since we last spoke, he's had a handful of rides, well, four rides, and two of them have won, including... Um, Sunday afternoon, and he's on his way back now as I'm speaking to him. Uh, Davey, um, many congratulations. How did it feel to get back in the saddle after such a long wait? Uh, it's great, no, Nick, yeah. Um, I suppose it just didn't feel right all the way through. I just wasn't ready, and maybe in the last 10 or 14 days, it just all started to click, and uh, we were schooling a few horses, and, and it just felt like that I was ready to, to go, and... You know, it's been a great start now, uh, thanks to Gordon and everybody, you know. So was it really just a case of, 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 of sort of listening to your body? There was nothing you could put your finger on? It just It's just how you felt? Yeah, I just wasn't right. And look, I, I was pushing for Cheltenham and look in the back of my mind, it wasn't, it just wasn't, I just wasn't, 
a hundred percent and I was glad the, the the surgeons made the decision for me um I because I may may have made the wrong decision and went there and then once that was kind of passed um I just um I just took my time and it just didn't feel right and we just schooled kind of a dozen horses there last week or whenever it was and um just one after the other I just just felt great and very confident and you know was there anything strange about how you felt when the tapes went back for the first ride back, or was it just like a kid getting back on his favourite bike again? No, it was pretty much the same. <laughs> yeah, it was just pretty much the same. I wasn't. I hadn't really built it up to be anything else, if you know what I mean. I just I was prepared to go back right the same way I stopped. You know, well, not the same way I stopped, but um, you know, the same way I was right before before I got to fall. Were there, were there any were there any butterflies at all, or not? Uh, not really. No, I suppose it was a low-key start, and that was a thing that I spoke to Dr. Pugh about. Um, she, she and I both agreed that maybe a, a, a lower-key start would have suit would suit it a lot better. But like, if I was going straight into, you know, a big festival, um, it just might, it might, the nerves could have taken over a little bit. But not, not this week. And now it's all, it's all smoothed out. You know. So two from four. But as you said to me when we spoke the other day. You're not going to start cherry picking and taking it too easy. You're, you've either got to do it properly or not at all. Yeah, that's it. Um, just as long as my body's able to take it, and, and you know, Garden is willing. You know, we have Jack and Jordan who both are riding out of their skin. There's Dennis O'Regan, and then there's Keith Dunham who's come back as well. So, you know, all very talented riders who can hold their place in the team. So. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, we all kind of have our horses, a lot of the horses, you know, and favoured owners and things like that uh, to ride for. So, um, and they'll just all fall into place, you know. And in, in terms of um, how your body feels now, or how it felt the morning after you, you had your first rides, anything anything unusual, anything different? No, but I've done a, I had done an awful lot of work with my physio that... Um, I've done work that I've never done before, um, extraordinary work, uh, weights and, you know, different things for my neck. So that was, I, I would have been surprised if there was an effect, you know what I mean? Because I didn't feel brilliant when I was schooling horses before Cheltenham. I had a bit of pain, or not a pain, but a feeling like, you know what I mean? Just a feeling, a different feeling. But that wasn't there when we schooled during the week. So, you know, I was quite confident that it was gone, you know, that we had, we had, doing enough work to put that aside you know is it fair to say that you've put your body through something pretty unusual uh yeah different different definitely but but not not you know it was enjoyable now it was enjoyable and i was happy to do it to be honest yeah <laughs> it's enjoyable if there's a goal at the end i guess yeah well, exactly yeah yeah and there was always a goal you know and at the same time I didn't want to. I didn't want to finish up and get fat and and put on two stone. Anyway, do you know? So it didn't really matter if I came back or not. It was all. It, I was doing something for my health. Do you know what I mean? For my own health. So, you know, it didn't really matter. I didn't put too much pressure on myself doing it. If that makes any sense. Just transition, Dave. On this podcast many many times and before this was even a twinkle in its creator's eye you made mention of the fact that you'd like the whip to be renamed or called something different in in common racing parlance and uh, this didn't seem to be getting an awful lot of oxygen until suddenly in the last week it has courtesy mainly of 
uh, Matt Chapman in his son column and then again on on Sky Sports Racing Debate program. Uh, so it's picked up a little bit of traction. It's something you've talked about for a long time. I wonder why it's it's come to come to light again now. Yeah, I'm not really sure. Um, I, I mean, as you say, it's something that I've I've talked about quite a lot over the last couple of years. I, I just feel that um, one of the problems, my problem with the way that the BHA dealt with the whip issue to begin with, is that if 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 I had been in charge of the uh, review of a few years ago uh, that was overseen at the time by Jamie Steer, my my very first starting point would have been the the instrument itself. We, we don't talk about gun laws without knowing what a gun is, if I can put that rather crudely. So I would, I would have had a press conference and I would have had everything from Fred Archer's three-foot whip through the ages, uh, Gordon Richards, Pat Eddery, Lester Piggott, Kieran Fallon, and then Ryan Moore and Frankie Dettori. And I would try to educate people that... We're not talking here, when we use the word whip, we're not talking about even that that nylon riding crop that you see at riding schools with the, the woven nylon strands and, and the leather flaps at the end. We're talking about a very specific... The, the, sort of, the sort of thing that used to appear on the front of Julie Cooper novels. Well, even... The, Exactly, with a with a a, a pair of buttocks in uh, tight fitting jodhpurs, if I can say that before the nine o'clock watershed, um, very much that type of thing, sort of slapping a thigh, um, and of course, it's a very very different instrument. But it's always been referred to as the whip. Now I know that various people have thought that that looks a bit needy, or it looks as though racing is trying too hard but we live in a world these days where perception is people seem obsessed with these days these days with how things look rather than how they actually are and in that sense i think it's extremely important that when you're dealing with the public who don't know an awful lot about horse racing and you use the term the whip that they know what you're talking about now if you do say the Prokush, using a brand name, as people do with uh, describing something as a as a Hoover rather than a vacuum cleaner, for example. I have a German Zebo uh, vacuum cleaner, but I refer to it as the Hoover. So it can be done, and I feel that at least if you uh, use the the uh, the term Prokush, at least people who have a mind to can inquire and say. What do you mean by that? And you say, right, well, that is what used to be known as or generically known as the whip. But in horse racing, you have to use one uh, that is approved by the British Horse Racing Authority. It's essentially made of compressed foam around a central shaft and it, it essentially makes a, a, a snapping noise upon impact with the horse, which visits upon uh, the mount that the rider is not yet giving the signal for the horse to stop and it must extend itself until it receives a signal to do otherwise. Now, Dave, I just want to recap where we are with this um, business about Sunday racing and the added Sunday meetings next year. You think we're sort of laboring the point in several consecutive podcasts, but that's because every day somebody else comes out and adds to the debate. And this time it's the ROA 
president and horsemen's group chairman charlie parker who said an awful lot of work's gone into this the stable staff have been taken into consideration very much there still seems to be a little bit of an impasse between nars the national association of racing staff and other members of the the horsemen's group the the national trainers federation the race horse owners association both of whom are are backing um the the sunday racing on the condition that that it's it's reasonably well endowed with with prize money so each passing day we don't seem to be getting any closer to to all parties agreeing it's either a good thing or a bad thing right well my take on this and i have to talk about it in a general rather than a specific sense is this and that is if you have a group of individuals who claim that they haven't been fully consulted about something and another body says yes they have my instinct is that the the first body of people and obviously specifically in this case we're talking about stable staff haven't been given adequate consultation um it's clear that the the the, the, there are greater prizes on offer on sundays and that one of the the reasons that the fixture list for 2022 one of the the features of it was was beefed up sundays with more money it's all go, also going to be obviously later finishes for stable staff now it, it's it's a it's a fair uh, request on their part i think to have part of that pie and Dave, looking ahead to, to this week, we've got plenty of good racing in the UK before uh, the arc starts to take centre stage with the Cambridgeshire fixture at Newmarket running Thursday, Friday, Saturday. What is likely to be your highlight of that three-day extravaganza? Well, I'll be interested to see uh, who, who turns up for the Gun Chariot Stakes because when we looked at the Falmouth Stakes at Newmarket in July, I think that it's it's not an unfair or even uncharitable view to say that that's one of the weaker group ones of the summer. But because of the difficulty of travelling horses over the summer, we had, a, a, if I can use the phrase on a Nick Luck Daily, a reap Bobby Dazzler in, of a foul mistakes for 2021. And I suggest that that might well be true of the Sun Chariot too. There, there are horses like Lady Bothorpe, uh, Snow Lantern as well. It would be great to see those in it. I, I think that the Cambridgeshire is also going to be interesting. John Goston has won that on five occasions. He's now teamed up, of course, with Sun Thady. They're looking for uh, a, a record sixth victory. And the favourite is Uncle Bryn, who's 11-2 to uh, at the moment. A horse who, this when we, when we were doing the Nick Luck Daily back in... April, we were talking about this horse as a derby prospect. He ran in the Blue Ribbon trial at Epsom in April and, of course, also ran in the Dante too. Then he had that break and he returned with a victory at Ascot at the start of this month. He has a £4 penalty for that. And as Thady Gosden has told the readers of the Daily Star, the Daily Express and the Daily Mirror today, Uncle Bryn faces a very different test over the nine furlongs of the first leg of the awesome double this Saturday. Well, National Racehorse Week is coming to an end and it's come to, to an end in a sort of glorious um, climax. It's fo- focused around the, the Newmarket Open Weekend, the Sir Henry Cecil Newmarket Open, Open Weekend, and it, which has been enormously helped and pushed and driven by the endeavours of, of trainer Charlie Fellows over the last few years. Uh, Charlie, it looks like you had great weather for it. From afar, it, it looked to be a great success. How's, how's it been? Yeah, it's been it's been really good. I think 
Um, I think everyone that I've spoken to have said that they've never seen so many people here. Look, we're helped massively by a, a, a day of fine weather and, it, and the rain held off, which was fantastic. But I was down on the severals in the middle of Newmarket after the yards had closed and I've never seen it so packed. So many people there to watch the show jumping in the Pony Club games and stuff like that. And our yard, our yard was non-stop from 9.30 right through until um, till midday. We were, we were very, very busy. Do you think the overall effort of the whole week has helped sort of, you know, focus the attention on what you're trying to do as well? It, it, no doubt that the, the the creation of the racehorse national racehorse week has definitely helped us. Uh, I'm sure it's given us more publicity, uh, and yes, I'm sure it's it's a fantastic idea, and it's definitely rubbed off on on the Henry Cecil Open weekend. Now, in addition to being able to see all the lovely horses across Newmarket who are so popular, the Stradivariuses and the Lady Bothorps and so forth. Um, there's also some pretty off-the-wall entertainment as well, normally involving people trying to show jump who can't very well or can very well. What were the highlights? The show jumping was fantastic. Um, it was, I think, Chloe Spencer, who is Jamie's, <laughs> want to say, eldest daughter, put everyone to shame, beat them all, beat all the jockeys, beat the trainers. She was unbelievable. Um, she clear, cleaned up the, the main prize. She Her team won, which was her... George Scott, rather disappointingly, was on the winning team, and um, Jamie Spencer, um, and it was it was very very good. There were a couple got unshipped. I think uh, Andrea Atzani came off. Danny Muscat, I'm pretty sure he came off. Jimmy Quinn, I think he came off as well. He actually had quite a nasty fall, Jimmy Quinn, but he's he's fine. Um, and I, th- I, you know, I hate I feel that hate to brag but my team won the pony club games charlie fellows racing won the pony club games beating david simcock phil mcintee and ray guest which was which was a good effort from my lot and and i see george bowie won the commentators competition now i did hear a bit of it was the the bar quite lowish this year I thought uh, so. James Ferguson decided to do his best O'Sullivan impression, which was completely <laughs> remarkable. I don't know what he thought he was doing. His voice came out all very strange. Um, the Crisford duo, Simon Crisford, came on for a cameo for the last two furlongs. They were quite funny. Um, Harry Eustace, um, he was commentating. His girlfriend, Haley Turner had a ride in the race and he managed to get her horse's name completely wrong, which you would have thought the only horse that he would definitely get right would have been hers. So the, I think, yes, the bar was probably set rather low and George Bowie, I think, came in and knocked it out of the park. He was first up and just did a very, very good commentary. Poor Kevin Philippard de Foy, you know, commentating in a foreign, you know, his second language probably didn't have a great... Um, he was at a massive disadvantage. Well, it sounds like a lot of fun and a bit of a triumph as well and plenty of money raised and just good time had by all. Yeah, I think so. I, it really feels like we're getting there now. I, I'm, I was delighted with it and hopefully hopefully that is reflected in the amount of money we raise because at the end of the day, that's how, how the Open Weekend will get judged. Thanks to all my guests today. David Yates is still here. Dave, you've got a selection for us. 
I have indeed. It's in the 345 at Leicester today, number two, Amethyst. Successful off a mark of 66 on fast ground at Salisbury back in April. Now off 67, should have similar conditions this afternoon. And I take Patrick Chamming's son of Anjal to get back to winning form. 345 at Leicester, selection is number two, Amethyst. Good stuff, Dave. Thanks very much. I'll be back with you from TW11 tomorrow. I hope you've enjoyed uh, all the shows from Canada. That was Monday the 20th of September. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.